Life happens day to day, and God knows I've been changing with it. We have to, right? We hear a lot about celebrities and the stories of what they've overcome. I wanted to do a show that highlights some of the not-so-well-known overcomers and what can happen if we just keep going. Having learned how to laugh again, begin again, live and thrive after heartbreaking loss, and two life-threatening scares. Our guest today is living confidently and showing others how to do the same. She's just getting started with a new zeal for life. She is Sheila Turbington. It's so good to have you on with us today. I'm so glad that you were able to be on for this interview for Just Keep Going. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you, Toya, for having me. I'm looking forward to the time we'll spend together. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I know that there'll be plenty of gems uh, for everyone who is watching today. So let's just jump right in, all right? Can you tell us just a little bit about Sheila and who Sheila is? My name, like you know, is, is Sheila Turbenton, and I uh, live in Arrington, Tennessee. I've been living here about four years now. Um, four years this month, matter of fact. I moved here from California after living in California for about 60 years, I um, took a risk and decided to move Mm. uh, across country to to Arrington, Tennessee. Really, I have family in Nashville, Tennessee. I have a sister and brother in Nashville, Tennessee. And so I thought it was just time. And I also heard the Lord say, you're going home. and so I have um, an aunt who's 86 years old um, that's here and some cousins. And I still have uh, two siblings in California. Um, my daughter moved over from Texas and she's in a city called Knoxville. Not, it's probably about there. And my sister who was living in Southern California has since moved here with me. Wow. So, that's that's where I where I'm living and what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm retired. I've been retired now since 2008. Um, I had performed uh, worked in human resources all of my career and um, retired in 2008. And let me ask you two questions. From <laughs> so the first one is uh, how you like in retirement. I love retirement. Okay. But I think you have to know that even though you retire, you should retire into something. You don't retire just to do nothing. Right. Um, And um, when I retired, I ended up, I ended up doing what I, what was contract work for the federal government until I moved here to to Nashville. And I did part-time contract work for them, which was pretty nice because I can do it when I wanted to do it at home, the hours I wanted to do it, they didn't care. Um, And then I had a chance to do the volunteer work that I never had a chance to do. And so um, I love, I love retirement. Sometimes I, I, it, it was even last week that I thought, maybe I should find me a part-time job. And I thought, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to yeah. travel and I want to I want to do what I want to do when I want to do and volunteer. And um, and so at 68, it's I'm loving it. I, it, I love it. It Hurry sounds great. <laughs> it sounds great. Um, I love what you said about, you know, the fact that 
when you retire, you shouldn't retire to do nothing, but you should retire to something. So it's really good to keep going. Um, actually, just keep going. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing to keep going, you know, after you retire. Um, I, I like to say after you retire, refire. Because, um, because after you retire, there's so much more that you can give to people in other places and other areas of your life that, like you said, you weren't able to do before. You know, you're able to do a lot more of the charitable work and the volunteer work that you couldn't do while you were working. So, yeah, um, like I said, I say don't just retire, but refire. Figure out what you're going to do after you retire from, you know, that life that you had. Uh, reinvent. Um, so let me ask you another question. Here's a question. This question is, what made you move back to uh, Tennessee after 60 years of being in California? And you said it was a risk. What was the risk that you took? The risk I took was um, I was comfortable in California. Okay. I had I had a I had a church family. I had friends. I had family there. Um, I grew up there. All my friends were still there. Um, and so the risk was leaving the familiar for the unfamiliar. Mm. And I, I didn't really have a clue. I just knew that I had a stirring in me to return home because I had come back and forth to Tennessee throughout the years, but I had a stirring in me while I was at a conference. Um, and it was a, it was a familiar stirring of maybe it's time to return to, to, to Tennessee. Uh, that's not true. And I was at this conference. I met a woman <laughs> in a hotel one morning and she was from Tennessee. And I was telling her, I was, we were exchanging our stories about Tennessee and I, and she said, they, Southwest is having um, a fair um, war right now. And, and I thought, well, that's really interesting. And then I just had a prompting that I was supposed to buy a ticket. And I went online while at the conference, bought myself a ticket to Tennessee. Um, I, told my, I told some family here that I was coming to visit. Um, I figured I needed at least two weeks to figure out if I really wanted, if this was somewhere the Lord wanted me to be. And so I spent, a, I spent a week in Nashville and I spent a week with family down in Jackson, which is about two hours from here. I knew it was a stirring. I knew the Lord was purposing something in me to, to move here. And so I said, I'm just going to do it. Um, I, I kind of thought about, okay, what am I leaving behind? And I, I knew what I was leaving behind, but it was more exciting to know I was I could move into something I've never done before. When I was younger, I was just too afraid to take a risk. Um, it was comfortable in California. It was, and it was, I just didn't feel as though I didn't have the confidence to do it. Um, and so when I decided to take the risk, like I said, to move to, to Tennessee, it felt good. It, I had a piece about moving. Um, the transition was smooth. The move was smooth. The selling of my home was just amazing. Hmm. Um, everything just clicked at, at all the way. Even when I moved here, I still knew I was in the right place with right. just the people that I met, the banker, the person I bought my house, bought my home from, everything was smooth. And so it was, it, there was excitement in taking the risk. At 64 years old, I thought, wow, 
I can do this. And wow. so I did. That's interesting. You were 64 years old. When you were younger, you felt like you were afraid to take risks, but at 64, you took the risk. Now, when you were younger, you said you wanted to work overseas. You said you wanted to do some other things. Around how old were you at this time? Were you married? Were you single when you were thinking about these things? And what was it exactly that you were afraid of? I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. Um, when I wanted, when I was, when I was looking at jobs overseas and, and every time I would apply for one, I would never hit the send button. I was mm. just afraid. I, I, I was afraid of leaving the familiar. Like I said, my parents were here. They had some health issues. At least I like, I like to have told myself the reason I didn't do it is because I stayed because of my parents and their mm. health issues and there would be no one to take care of them. Even though I had siblings in the Bay area, I just kept, I kept finding excuses as to why I shouldn't do it. I, I didn't have the confidence in myself. Um, even even throughout my career, even though my career was amazing, how I how I grew up in the federal government, um, I always had a lack of confidence. Of hmm. am I am I the right person for this job? You know, am I should I continue on this track? Right. Um, I had so many managers who were so supportive of me, though they kept they just kept fueling me with um, confidence. Even though I lacked the confidence, they kept fueling me with the confidence that I always wanted to go to law school and I never did that. Mm. When I was in high school, I was I was on the honor roll system. And, um, but I had a counselor and how I ended up with a counselor who encouraged me to take uh, business classes because she felt as though I was not college material. Wow. Um, I ended up going back, following that track when I had some friends in high school who were following the, the track of going to college and, and all. Right. Um, and so I think, I think that was probably a seed that was planted of mm -hmm. that um, you're not enough um, that kept me always on the um always kind of just shrinking back from wanting to do the what i could what i was capable of doing so i want to ask you a little bit about um how your move happened i know that you were married and i know that your husband passed away uh several years ago can you tell us a little bit about um you know any facet of that that you want to share with us? I retired, like I said, in 2008. And it was the summer of 2008, probably around November, October, that time frame of 2008. I went to work um, as a contractor employee and I was I was just loving it. I thought, oh, this is great. Um, and my husband, he allowed me, not allowed, he blessed me. I, I never had to ask for permission. I always asked for a blessing from Ben. But he, um, he blessed me and said, yes, you can retire if you want. And it was, uh, I started that part-time work. And then, like I said, um, that was that was the fall of 2000. And 
and eight, and then February 2009, he passed away. Um, he was not sick. He was 54 years old. Um, I can remember even the afternoon that he called me and, and he said that he didn't feel well, that he had had some chest pains most of the day. And um, his coworkers had tried to impress upon him of going to the hospital and just getting a check out. And so he finally relented and, and decided he would do so, but he was, he was probably worked maybe an hour from where we left. And so, but he journeyed all the way home in order that he can go to a hospital that was in the neighborhood in our area where I can be closer to him. And anyway, that afternoon I met him at the hospital and he was having chest pains and we went into the emergency room and they gave him nitroglycerin and they began to um, try and figure out what was going on. Remember that, that after in that room, um, I remember praying with him that after that during that period of time. And I thought um, before I prayed for him, what was really interesting is his eyes were just really murky, murky color. They, they looked kind of yellow and kind of, kind of, um, they were watery. And anyway, I, I, I prayed for him and, um, he opened his eyes and when he opened his eyes, his eyes were, were crystal. The white of his eyes were just white, white. It was just, uh, I was shocked. I thought, oh my goodness, I, I really prayed a prayer this time. <laughs> and, and so when he, um, he started to cry and um, I told him, I said, I feel like everything's going to be okay. I don't think you need to worry. I think it's going to be fine. He, he was not overweight. He did have high blood pressure. Um, and I, I remember telling him, I, I ran out of the room. I said, I'm, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick. And I went across the hall, washed, I didn't even barely wash my hands and I was out the door and the drapes were closed where they were hooking them up to monitors. And I snatched the drape back and, um, they were on top of his chest with paddles. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I, I was at that point almost hysterical. Um, I, I think back to when he was crying after I prayed and I, I have concluded that those tears were, um, tears of goodbye. Wow. I think for me, I think he knew, um, and his, his tears were, um, I'm sorry, honey, but it's goodbye. I'm leaving. Mm. Um. So I, I, um, that's just me and my right. thinking made a choice that, you know, who knows what happens when we're to the presence of the Lord. If he gives us a choice of whether we can, we can stay or leave, you know, I probably say bye, I'm gone too. But he, um, he apologized. And then, um, like I said, when they, when I came back in the room, they had paddles on him. Um, I was just hysterical and they took me out of the room and set me in a waiting room. Um, haven't told the story in a while. So I was sitting in a waiting room in this, um, my friend Toya Hawkins came in and she, um,
slid his wedding band into my hand. So within an hour, he was gone. Um, he was just gone. Um, and then the journey of walking through grief began. Yeah. What was that like? The first year, the first year was um, the first couple of months. It's really interesting. I went back and I looked at a journal because I started journaling the day after he passed. And I went back and I was looking through my journal today at some of the things that I had written through that entire year um, because I didn't know there was um, any anything like Greek classes or um, uh, those types of uh, courses or classes that would get you, help get you through the process. And so for that entire year, and I would um, spend time in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've had a relationship with the Lord since I was a kid. So that was not foreign to me. Right. And so the Lord walked me through that entire first year. Um, and there were times where, um, and my daughter was at the time, she was 15 years old. I would drop her off at school. I was, I was in, like I said, I was retired then. And right. so I dropped her at school, come home and pick my grief back up. Um, and I spend the day with the Lord. Um, there were days where, you know, for the first, I would think four months, I didn't want to go out of a perimeter of my neighborhood. And mm. that was fear that, that, um, that I had. Uh, I don't know if it was a fear that I thought I would, I would, pass away or it was just a fear I, I, right um, it was but anyway um as i as i went through the year there there are various emotions that you go through you go through depression and you know un uncontrollable crying and joy and then sadness and then anger and then i mean there's probably about a, over a hundred emotions you can go through right as you through the process but I, I made it to the end of the first year, the anniversary of, of his loss, because at every, at every holiday, um, Father's Day and, and um, birthdays and Christmas and, you know, how Thanksgiving, all of those were, were new because we were, as a family, which was just the three of us, immediate family, um, we had to find a new tradition. Right. And so it was the end of the first year that I realized I, I, I thought to myself, I grieve. I can't seem to stop crying. I can't get off this, this emotional roller coaster. And so I, um, I was talking to my pastor's um, wife and she asked me if I would, if I would facilitate a women's grief share. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up, um, she said, I think you'll be fine. I think if you get emotional, you can just leave the room. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I'm barely able to sit here and talk to you with a straight face. Right. Um, but I, she said, I would really love if you would think about it. And that sent me on the uh, um, looking for, um, biblical based, if there were any biblical based programs out there on grief, 
And there is a program out there, and it's called Grief Share. It's worldwide. Today, I walked into the first class. Um, they're, they're hosted through churches, generally on Sundays. Um, the first day I walked into that class, they, the subject was when you lose your spouse. And I said, okay, I'm in the right place. Okay. And two of the classes, um, uh, sessions in that um, curriculum have to do with, are you stuck? And when I got to those, those sessions, I realized I wasn't stuck. Okay. Um, and so since I, that helped me to, to begin to move forward, it encouraged me to move forward in trying to figure out where do I go from here as, am I single? Am I a widow? You know, you know, how do I function as, um, a mom and a dad. How do I help my daughter through the process? Um, and so it, it, there was just a, a, a mirror of things that I just went through during that first year. But the first year was the hardest year, but I made it through that year, first year. Um, and then by the time I was turning the curve and going into the third year, I kind of felt I had gone through a great deal of healing because what I did, I forgot to tell you, was I did end up hosting grief share classes through my church. Okay. And I ended up also serving with an organization called Alpha Pregnancy Center. I stopped working for a, for a window and I went to work, um, volunteered for an organization called Alpha Pregnancy Center Pro-Life out of Vacaville, California. And then I was doing the grief share classes alongside of those. And so the two of those married themselves together with a brought tremendous healing, mm. rapid healing um, in me. And, and I, I don't, I think it was the serving piece, the serving others, the wanting to walk alongside of others who were broken, didn't know how to get through the process, um, and, and every time I, I was able to facilitate that class for five years when I was in California and with each class, I walked through another, I don't know if you call them doors or windows or whatever you call them, but I would walk through another phase of my grieving process. And there was, there was one thing that I heard without a shadow of a doubt. I heard the Lord say, Ben died, not you. Wow. That's powerful. And so when I heard that, I thought, well, you must have lots for me to do. Hmm. And sure do. Got lots for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. I know that that would be considered one of the low points or one of the lowest points uh, in your life. Um, but I know that there are a few more. So why don't you tell us a little bit about those well um it was probably i moved here in march of um march four years ago and needed to have a doctor's appointment established um found myself a physician and did all what we do as women um and i was told after i had my mammogram they called me up and said they're we need you to come back. We found a spot on your 
on your chest, on your mm -hmm. test. And I went back in and, and they told me they had found a small spot. Um, it was DCIS uh, stage zero pre-cancer. Mm -hmm. And they you can you can sit back or we can remove the area or uh we can just remove both of your breasts and of course i i i i did panic about it i thought oh my goodness how could this happen to me right um, and this is i mean life is so good right now why would this happen to me Right. But they told me that, that they could remove the spot or they could remove the breast. And I told them, I said, no, just remove the spot. And okay. so they repackaged me up and I had the surgery and they repackaged me up. And um, it was very, it was, it was traumatic, I thought. I thought that was probably the second most traumatic thing in my life. And then in 2019, I went back for a physical and it was discovered that I had um, in the in the other breast. Wow. So I didn't feel I didn't feel as I didn't feel hopeless because I just assumed we would do the same procedure we did before, uh, remove that tissue, repackage me, that I would be this great 30 year old <laughs> waste up <laughs> and um and so that's what happened i went in i had the surgery um the plastic surgeon who i had had the first time around he said after he had repackaged me that something just said i'm not going to throw this tissue in the trash hmm. i'm going i'm going to send this tissue out for an autopsy and so um, then I get a call probably a couple of weeks later that says the tissue that was removed also had precancer cells and we don't know where it came from. Wow. So I made the decision to, to have both breasts removed versus just going through the waiting game every year. Do I regret it? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, I um, I don't regret it. Why? Wow. Let me ask you: um, if you could talk to yourself, maybe ten years ago, what would you what would you say? Oh, I would definitely say take all the risk you can possibly take. Mm shrink back do not be afraid you know as i went through my journal this afternoon the one thing that was that was um a thing through the first um probably six to eight months of my journal that i kept after uh, my husband passed was do not be afraid do not be afraid do not be afraid do not be afraid, not be afraid. um and so looking back if i could go back to the 30s or 40s, I would have definitely taken more risk. I, I used to say when I was even younger that I didn't want, I don't want to stand in front of the Lord and him say, well, I have that business opportunity for you. And I had this venue venture for you. And I have this for you and that for you. And, 
And why didn't you take them? And I don't want to say, because I was afraid. Yeah. I don't want to say that. I think with each one of those things that happened to me, um, I grew, I grew in my faith. I, I grew in confidence in who I am. I grew in, um, just knowing, like I made the comment earlier that, that I, there's life, there's life for me. There's, and there's lots for me still to do. I think even at 68, I don't believe I'm too old. Um, I believe I, I have time to start a, start a business. I can, um, have time to write a book. I have mm. time, um, mentor young women. I'm just starting up, you know, I, wow. I, I really do toy and feel like, um, the engines are revving up, you know, wow. <laughs> and they're, they're, I'm excited and I can't tell you what I'm excited about, but I'm excited that something good is on the way. Sheila, I just want to thank you so much for meeting with me and talking to me and sharing everything about your life and how you have made it through the many circumstances that you have. And um, I know that this uh, is going to help a lot of people to be inspired to just keep going. So thank you so much. Thank you, Toya, for having me. I, I appreciate it so. You just don't know. I really do appreciate you allowing me to to share with your listeners. Okay. Thank you. Well, I know I know that they're going to really love it. So um, uh, I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you for watching this episode of Just Keep Going. If you'd like, you can find more of this interview at ToyaHawkins.com.